Uterine prolapse is a serious issue of concern to swine producers. A 2018 Iowa State University study involving 400,000 commercial sows found that vaginal or uterine prolapse accounted for 15% of all sow mortalities during the study period, and earlier research found that all pelvic organ prolapses cost producers roughly $5,200 per 1,000 sows every year. What hasn't been as well understood until more recent research is the various factors influencing the incidence of uterine prolapse in the sow herd. Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a deeper look at big issues in the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we talk with Dr. Janelle Dunkelberger, a geneticist with Topics Norsven, about those factors influencing uterine prolapse and specifically about recent research into the role genetics play in the incidence of uterine prolapse. This episode of Feedstuffs in Focus is sponsored by Topics Norsven, the second largest swine genetics company in the world. Topics Norsven's unique breeding program is designed to accelerate genetic progress at the customer level by creating innovative products and solutions that benefit the entire pork production chain. To get more information, visit topicsnorsvin.us. Dr. Dunkelberger, you and I have had the chance to talk before about a, a variety of issues related to the role genetics play in swine health and topics ranging from productivity to longevity. One of the things I wanted to talk about with you in, in this week's episode is the issue of uterine prolapse. We know this is a, a source of, of frustration for producers and, and certainly one that is a, a big detriment to the sow's overall well-being and productivity. Let's start with some basics. What causes uterine prolapse in the first place? Yeah, that's a great question. So thanks for having me on, Andy. You know, uterine prolapse has been a hot topic within the industry because it's been identified that it is one of the leading causes of sow mortality in the industry. And as you know, sow mortality is an issue that we've wrestled with now for a couple of years. And one that, that seems to be kind of increasing in intensity. So, so obviously an important one to address when it comes to uterine prolapse specifically, I think it's, it's been generally accepted that that is an industry-wide issue. So in other words, it's something that's not specific to a particular system or genetic line, but something that we see across the industry. It does, however, appear to be of higher incidence in the U.S. compared to other countries. I think it's also pretty well generally accepted that it's very likely a multifactorial issue. So some of the suspected causes that I've become aware of, and I'm, I'm sure you and others have heard too, include things like mycotoxins, deficiency in the diet, perhaps a vitamin deficiency. So it could be vitamin D or, or E particularly. Water quality and water intake seem to be uh, issues discussed as well especially in, in the instance of uh, reduced water intake that could be problematic for the sow in the sense that it could result in a mineral imbalance perhaps, or even result in increased constipation issues. So that's causing her to strain more during the farrowing process and, and put pressure on those reproductive organs. Farrowing interventions are another one, I think that, that I've heard of too. So sleeving or induction practices, 
and genetic background has also been discussed as a potential cause. So you mentioned genetic background. Is there any evidence that genetics play a role in susceptibility to uterine prolapse? Is that is there any inkling that that's something that uh, you know has a genetic component to it, or or how heritable is that? What do we know? So the short answer is yes. Uh, there is evidence of a genetic component. And that's something that we've identified through doing some of our own research and have identified that there's a genetic component within one of our lines. How did we come to that conclusion, Dr. Dunkelberger? Well, we recently conducted some research within our group with the objective of investigating the potential role of genetics on susceptibility to uterine prolapse. So to do this, we had a data set of over 16,000 records that we collected on purebred Tapix Norsefin females of the same maternal line and from the same commercial multiplication farm within the US. And for every one of the animals within that data set, that individual had both genomic information as well as a phenotype for uterine prolapse. And that phenotype was representative of whether the animal was removed from the herd due to uterine prolapse or removed for another reason. So we analyzed those data using genetic analyses and the result of those uh, analyses indicate that the heritability of uterine prolapse was 22%. So how do we interpret those conclusions? What, what does that mean? So a heritability estimate of 22% means that 22% of the total observable variation in incidence of uterine prolapse is due to genetics. You may often hear geneticists use the phrase or the term phenotypic variation. So that's what, what we mean by observable variation in the trait. And the phenotype for a particular trait is due to genetic factors or non-genetic factors. So in this case, with the heritability estimate of 22%, that means that 22% of that total phenotypic variation is due to genetics. So then by default, the remaining 78% is due to non-genetic factors. So those non-genetic factors could include any of the things that we discussed at the beginning of the conversation uh, in terms of suspected causes of uterine prolapse, or it could be anything else that we haven't thought of, management-related, nutrition-related, et cetera, basically anything else that could be uh, within the environment of that animal. So with all of that information, how, how are you and your colleagues at Topics Norrisvin using that knowledge? And what, what's, that, what's that mean for um, the, the decisions and choices you're making with, with the lions now? Well, one of the things that's most encouraging to us about this research is that the fact that there is a genetic component indicates that there's naturally occurring genetic variation and susceptibility to uterine prolapse. And we actually find that really encouraging because it means that there are things that we can do in order to influence the incidence of uterine prolapse through selection decisions. So one of the ways that we can do that is by using breeding values as a tool. 
And breeding values are a number that's representative of the genetic merit of an individual for the trait of interest based on its genetic information. So in other words, we can use the genetic information, the pedigree or the combination of those type of data in order to predict an individual's susceptibility to uterine prolapse. Because the fact that this is heritable indicates that that an individual's DNA tells us something about its predisposition to express or develop a certain characteristic. So we've done that now for uterine prolapse. We've estimated breeding values for that trait and breeding values for uterine prolapse are now part of the selection index. And this has been underway since January of this year. So now we are actively selecting against incidence of uterine prolapse uh, through the breeding program. With, with all that in mind, and that's a great insight to how you're putting the research into practice in, in breeding selection there. What are the take-home messages for uh, producers who are, who are concerned about this issue and how you're working to, to continue to put this into practice? I think one of the important things to remember is that genetics has been considered a suspected cause of uterine prolapse. And so that's something that we as a genetic supplier wanted to investigate further. So if there's something uh, about the genetics of our animals that is related to susceptibility to uterine prolapse, that's something that we wanted to investigate and understand further. And upon doing that research, we did identify a genetic component for uterine prolapse. But we find that encouraging uh, from the standpoint that it indicates that there's something that we can do as a genetics company to help address this industry-wide issue. So we've now uh, developed these breeding values for uterine prolapse. They're part of the index. We are directly selecting against uterine prolapse as a result of that approach. And so it's, it's a way that, that we can help to address and reduce this, this issue. But at the same time, uh, it's important to also remember that because the heritability is 22%, that the majority of the issue is influenced by non-genetic factors. So our greatest opportunity in reducing incidence of prolapse really remains in identifying and then mitigating some of those environmental factors that are contributing to uterine prolapse. Thanks to our sponsor for this episode, Topics Norsven. Topics Norsven's international research department and technical services team provide customers with support and tailor-made solutions. Through rapid and efficient delivery of the best genetics available, Topics Norsven helps its customers maximize the potential of their products. For any questions or additional information about the work Topics Norsven is doing to implement selection against uterine prolapse, please email info at topicsnorsven.us. My specific thanks to Dr. Janelle Dunkelberger for her insights into the role genetics play in the prevalence of uterine prolapse in the sow herd and the work that Topics Norsven is doing in the selection against uterine prolapse in its breeding program. I'm Andy Vance, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs in Focus. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Or you can always visit our website, feedstuffs.com, for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for listening.